You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hi, folks, and welcome to episode 21 of the Let's Talk Photography podcast. I'm your host, Bart Bouchot, and joining me today is a mini panel, panel lit, panel light. Anyway, it's Antonio. Hi, Antonio. Hi, Bart. How are you? Not too bad at all. So it's uh, it's obviously the summer because getting a panel together is proving interesting. <laughs> we had lots of replies and everyone had a different time that worked for them. So, so in the end, it's just you and me, but uh, we'll have fun all the same, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't have any plans this summer, so <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be around a lot. Hopefully we still have July and August until Sanity returns, and then we're back into normality. <laughs> then so, yeah, I believe the media call it the silly season. So. Yeah, I think it gets a little too hot in New York to get silly. There's a certain point everybody just sort of stops and melts. Maybe the heat makes you silly in a different way. Wow, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, heat stroke. Ha ha, hilarious. <laughs> Anyway, last time we were, myself, yourself and Tom were talking about photographing people and we went on for an hour and we had a good show, but we didn't really finish the topic by any stretch of the imagination. So I think my sort of vague plan, which as I say, these I try to make these shows conversational. So plan is a very loose term, but my, my sort of big picture overview of how it would go is that we'd start with the lens zoomed all the way out. So we talked about how just adding a person to a picture of something else brings that something else to life in an interesting way, even if the person doesn't take up a large part of the, uh, the the pixels of the image. And then we went on to talk about street photography, and given that that's you and Tom's baby, I think we sort of got a bit... We sort of stayed there for quite some time, which is fine, because it was really good content. So now we want to go on from there and zoom in our lens, our magic lens, a little bit more. And I think the name for portraits of people, but sort of in a bigger context, I believe that's called environmental portraiture. Is that... You mean people in their people, people doing their thing? People doing their thing. I think I I I consider environmental portraiture, you know, putting a person in their place of what makes them who they are. So, so. a baker with a big white fluffy hat, one of those funny sticks, and a bread in the end. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of the obvious thing. Um, or you know, I like to photographed person in front of their bookshelf um oh because often and if they let you do that i mean that's right, well, those, my, like, yeah your bookshelf you is, is it's pretty personal like that's yes yeah and and from that you can kind of get the sense of the person by the books that they have on their shelf and so you know i also would consider that an environmental portrait i mean the person could be a baker and they could be in front of their bookshelf and the bookshelf could be full of you know books on Shakespeare or something like that. I'm like, what, what does that have to do with baking? You know, so you can start to create a, you know, a different kind of environmental portrait. But yeah, I mean, the obvious thing is, you know, the firefighter in front of the firehouse and those become sort of cliche after a certain point. So, so is, is the point of the exercise then to say more about the person by what else is in the photo? Is that kind of what we're driving at that that makes it an environmental portrait? Yeah. More about the person or fill in some of the, you know, 
blanks that we we can't do with a photograph because it's not a video where you could talk to someone and ask them questions. You know, the person, the viewers have to sort of look at the picture and get a sense of who that person is. I mean, if that's the point of it, not every portrait is really a well. I don't want to make this a blanket statement, but not every portrait has to be about well, who the person is. I suppose it can Absolutely. be about what they're doing at the time. What they're doing, yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot about it, a lot of it is about expression. You know um, how you know we can resonate with somebody by looking at their smile or looking at them frowning or sadness and stuff like that. So, one aspect of portraiture is you know saying who they are. But not every picture of a you know a person has to be about who they are, what they do for a living, or what their books are. You know, you want to. I think it all depends on the context of the how are you taking the picture and what it's going to be used for. I, I used, think it's not the right word, you know. I, I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. commercial. You know, how are you going to use that picture? You have to use it. You have to do something with it. <laughs> you can just print yeah. it out. That's a use. The um, yes. When I think of environmental portraits, that you know, one of the ones that always comes to me is, is sort of the one of the last photographs of Captain Smith before he set off on Titanic. Where he's he's walking along the deck, looking pleased as punch with himself, and looking a little bit like Captain Birdseye. Uh, but it, it somehow fills in the character of the man. Maybe it's us projecting onto it afterwards, but I don't know. There's something about that picture that always strikes me. Mm. I I don't I know his face. I don't know the exact picture you're talking about because I've seen several pictures, but I can imagine it. In, it's, in, it's it's definitely not a portrait portrait because he's striding along his deck, looking captainly and yes, yeah. <laughs> we know his future. Yeah, we. Yeah, he has no idea that this is not going to end well. Um. As you said, that the the picture that just popped into my mind is a photograph, and I don't know who the photographer is of John F. Kennedy at the um, in the Oval Office on his desk, and, and it's from behind, and he's resting. Is this the one with with the kid peeping through? No, no, this is this is just him, and the picture is very centered uh, in the frame, and he's resting, he's standing, sort of on the other side of his desk. So he's facing the window. So all we see is a silhouette and his arms are on the, the, the desk and his mm. head is down and the picture, you, first of all, you know, it's the white house. I mean, you can just, you it just know, has it. that feeling. Yeah. It has that feeling. And, and just his body gesture itself is showing the weight of that office on his back or on his shoulders. Oh. And that's as much of an, I mean, that is such, that to me is like, you know, if you were in a, and it's not just a picture about John F. Kennedy; it's a picture about the being the president of the United States, yes, and what it means to be that person who sits in that office or stands in that office and has the essentially the weight of the world on them. And to me, that's one of the best "quote unquote" environmental portraits. That uh, yeah, because it's the opposite of the propaganda. It's 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 sort of yes. the reality as opposed to the romanticism. It is the reality, and and it, and again, you don't see his face. You know, it's him. I think because of the time period, but it's he's sort of standing in as a generic president. Yeah, because uh, the other that one that I that I thought you were going to say was the one where you have uh, I can't remember which of his children peeping out through the desk. That's yeah. the opposite of that. That's it's, that's him as a person. Yeah. And well, that's it's also him trying to portray what he wants people to see, which is the opposite of showing the reality, which is what you're describing. Oh yeah, yeah. Because it, it, that's a real propaganda shot, not in not in the Nazi sense of the word, in the no, actual no. dictionary definition of the word. Because you it's know, how someone wants how he wants to be portrayed, right? Because the off the image he tries to portray is of a family man. The fact that he was, you know, 
sleeping with everyone in sundry mm. is entirely irrelevant to the image he wanted to portray of himself. <laughs> so, you know, that sort of a family shot, homely, friendly, that was the image he wanted to portray. It has nothing to do with reality. To, you know, to interject something here about, you know, street photography and what I do, and, and you mm-hmm. know, people might think I'm the sneaky guy, I'm walking around taking pictures and nobody knows it, but it's kind of for those reasons, because... People, when they are going to get their photograph taken, they want to project something. They want to mm. propagandize, I think, a little bit. I mean, I, yeah. you know, I'm not saying it's, I'm not judging it. I'm saying that they want, you know, I want to look like this on camera. And we, we don't live in glass houses because we all want to project a certain yeah. image of ourselves that we don't really want to keep up all the time. Right, right. And I, amongst, you know, speaking for other street photographers of my uh, sort, like to photograph the people who are just the ones who are walking in the street and who are not putting on as much as possible. I mean, hmm. not putting on a face or not putting on a mask to the world. And, uh, you know, that's a different aspect of the person. They're both the same person. One, per, You know, John F. Kennedy is this person who wants to be seen as a family person. And he's also the president of the United States and has, you know, both of those roles. And it's great to... You know, it's great to spend time with a single person and photograph them in such a way that you can get all those different aspects of their personality um, yeah. multiple times in, in, in photographs. I don't know if we, we just veered off the subject. <laughs> no, but well, there is no subject. So. There's no subject. There is no subject. Yeah, so, you know, environmental portraits, you know, what people do for a living, I think, is the obvious to do mm-hmm. it's not i guess it's not the only thing to do because there's also i think possibly more fun is what people do when they're you know for entertainment that's probably a, a better type of an environmental portrait to capture someone yeah someone doing what they're doing for the world yeah so yeah. someone out you know playing soccer or football or i don't know whatever sports are popular well, you know, I, I'm not sure. I mean, if you're actually showing them playing that, you know, I'm, I, I sort of go into like, what is the definition of a portrait then? Like, well, it, it, at what yeah, point that. does it become sort of a, you know, like you're shooting a soccer person, uh, personality, then yes, it's that person and they're doing what they're doing. But is that a portrait or is that a sports photograph? Is that an action shot? Do, do the, are the two the same? I don't know what the answer mm. is exactly, but. Uh, well, thankfully I named the show Photographing People, so. It can be anything. <laughs> It's not. It's not just portraits. Yes, but yeah. But it is. Yeah. yeah. Why? Why isn't someone playing football an environmental portrait like a baker baking bread? I don't know if it's not. I don't know. I mean, was the yeah? If they're, I mean, did they have to be in a locker room sitting there, you know, changing their shoes because then they're not moving? And is that the portrait, or you know, them with their teammates, the portrait? I I don't know where that yeah. line is. And again, that comes back to like what would what would define it? Because especially, it's, I was just thinking if it was the coach, you know, standing on the sidelines would be the lateral place to take the picture. Yeah. So maybe the, maybe the maybe the action shots are also considered portraits, especially if they're very plainly the person. You know, you see them, their face, they're doing what they're doing. Well, I uh, guess if it's a photo of the play, then it's a, then it's a photo of the play. But if it's a photo of the person and they happen to be playing something maybe that's the difference yeah hmm. i don't know i don't know if there's a re- i don't know if there has to be an answer for that question i mean it's, if you were doing a story of a you know of a soccer player 
certainly pictures would include their home life and their work life. I mean, work life for what, you know, all intents and purposes that sport is for them. Yeah. Uh, and so that would, you know, maybe not one picture would be the portrait. Maybe the whole story would be the portrait of the person. It's the, the many aspects of that um, person and what they do and how they live and what they do for entertainment. That becomes the story. So maybe not one picture is the portrait. Maybe many pictures are that portrait painted with a wide brush kind of as it were so now we've just gone to a whole other thing because that, that is a, there's a very big difference <laughs> no you're right there's a very big difference between you know the, the, capturing a person with a photograph and capturing a person with a series of photographs mm-hmm. that's very different mm-hmm. absolutely and uh what's interesting is that when i'm doing a lot of my street photography and i'm walking around the same areas because I tend to just do that. That's where you live. That's where I live. And I will tend to capture the same person occasionally um, because they're doing something different or they're giving, you know, they're in a, they're just there and they're just doing something like, wow, I want to capture that. And so I look back in my archives and I go, whoa, I've got five shots of this guy and three shots of this guy. And like, I have, there's one Hasidic gentleman who waits for a car to pick him up on a corner that I walk past on my way to work. And we're roughly about the same schedule. And I, I've caught him in several different ways. Um, standing there in the snow, and because he's Hasidic, he's wearing all the dark clothing and the hat. Right, sometimes so he's wearing white, yeah. black. Yeah, and sometimes he's wearing a plastic bag on his hat to keep it from getting wet. So sometimes I catch him in the rain, and he's standing in the same spot. And usually the angle's a bit the same because I turn the corner, and there he is. And so my angle of him is kind of the same, but I'm getting him in different environments. Like, you know, it's the winter or it's a rain or something else. And I'm not intentionally – that's not true. I mean I'm not making a portrait of him because he doesn't know I'm taking his picture. Yeah. But I end up with multiple pictures of the same gentleman doing different things. That's interesting. And if, if that continues long enough, that could become even more interesting. It can. I Hopefully he won't. You know, well, if he changes the schedule, you're, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. I always wonder about it. I mean, you know, you're allowed to photograph people in the street because you're in public. Yes. And, you know, because he's in the same spot. But I always have this like paranoid thing. It's like, well, what happens if he sees that I photographed him six times and I'm somehow highlighting him? And Where's the line between trouble? being a street photographer and a stalker? There is a stalker, yeah. <laughs> I, I, that's just my brain going off in different directions. I don't think. It's really an issue, at least in the United States. I, I think if you were to follow him, I think that's probably where exactly. the line would be. Yes. Yeah, we would, we would, that would be a different show. Yes. And you would be talking to me from behind bars, I think. <laughs> not sure they allow podcasting in prison. No, well, I don't know. But, the, I mean, to go off on the side here, and the, the laws are different in every country about photographing people. We were, yeah. Tom and I were talking to a street photographer in Hamburg, uh, Marco LaRusse, and he was saying that the yeah, rules I, there for photographing are, are people are so much different, um, more restrictive. I was kind of like shocked in a bad way as he described what the law is over there that that's like, okay. Right. And I, and I imagine that's in other places as well. So, I, you know, since, since you're an international podcaster, I say check your laws before you take multiple pictures of the same person. <laughs> Yeah, or perhaps even just one depending. or even just one yeah yeah depending on where you are yeah it's 
Yeah, it's a funny old world, all right. And yeah, there are some strange laws. So it is yeah. important. And especially taking pictures of children, too. That's become... Oh, that's a good way just to get yourself beaten up, I think. True. Yeah. 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 I mean, there are, there, are, there are occasions that, you know, you can... I would say photographing people and kids. It depends on the kind of event, like at a parade or something like that. I was Yesterday I was at the... I was at the Mermaid Parade in Coney Island in New York, one of the biggest art parades, I think, in the country. And uh, everybody dresses up like mermaids or something associated with the sea. Uh-huh. And there's tons of kids there with their parents, and they're all, all the kids are dressed up as little mermaids and stuff like that. And, you know, and there's a bazillion photographers there. I mean... Yeah. That's, that's, I, that's I, an interesting <laughs> point, because I'm just thinking, St. Patrick's Day, you have the kids with the green and white painted all over their faces and waving little flags, and everyone's happy to take... You know, you see... You want to flicker on the seventeenth of March, and there's twenty cabillion pictures of other people's kids, right, right, dressed in various, somewhat stereotypical Irish costume. <laughs> so yeah, that's interesting. The, the yeah, rules so are it, different. It, yeah, it depends on the context. I mean, if you wander off to a you know a, a child's park with your camera and a long lens, you're probably going to get it. You know, you're going to get hit upside the head with it. <laughs> yeah, I, yes, I think you would. Right, and or end up in aforementioned place with bars. Right. Right, right. Even though it's totally, I mean, it's, there's no law, you know. Actually, you probably wouldn't end up in jail unless you're really a stalker. But, but again, yes. we don't want to, you know, we all know common sense and, you know, abide by that. Yes. So. We, we live within a society with others. Play nice. Yeah. But uh, back to... You know, well, back to let's, a, let's segue very slightly. Okay. Because photographing other people's kids may get you punched in the face. However, I, I, I think it counts as environmental portraiture. I'm going to make it count as such anyway, but pictures of our own families are definitely pictures of people. There's a whole subset there, right? Well, we consider our family people? No, sorry. <laughs> yes, on, the, on, the, on their day. No, I'm just on their day. <laughs> Someone had to say that. Yes. If my family are listening, you're all very nice. Yes, yes. I don't think you are, but anyway. Um, yeah, I mean... Photographing family life and, you know, birthdays, Christmases, all those things, that is an environment. That is capturing people and a place in a bigger context. So that is, I think, if not officially by the dictionary definition into environmental portraiture, it's surely an aspect of it. So, Well, I, I know to me that fits more. I mean, it depends on it. It fits more under, under event photography or if I was going to say anything. I guess it does rather depend on are you taking a picture of everyone huddled around the Christmas tree or are you taking a picture of so and so? Yeah, okay. There's there's room for know. a lot. Yeah, and again, it's you're your own family, and you have to ride that fine line of like, you know, hey Bart, get over here, put your camera down, and you know, play with your nephew. All right, could you or, please come like, out from behind that lens for just a exactly. minute? Exactly. I'm I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna out someone in my family, but I won't say who it is, and I won't say their gender. But during family events, this this family member would be, I mean, I would bring my camera to family events and this family member would be behind a video camera, not stills, but be behind a video camera for the entire event. And my thought process was that, you know, you're one is spending their entire time photographing or filming and you're missing out on the event itself. So, you know, if you, if one was an event photographer, your job would be to spend the entire time behind the camera photographing everything that's your job. And then you give the pictures to the client. And then being part of the event means to occasionally pick up the camera and take the shot 
and put it down and eat cake and, and, you know, lift your nephew up into the air and slip him a buck or two or something like that and be part of the event. But that being said, you know, um, if it's an event, then you're going around taking pictures of everything. So you're covering it. So you have, you know, the birthday party and the kids blowing at the candle and the opening of presents, blah, blah, blah. But when you're, when you're doing it for your family, it's a, I don't know, I always find it a little difficult to find that balance between taking a, taking the entire evening as a photographer or shooting it as someone who's, you know, part of the event. Well, there's also the very real danger of ending up in none of your own family. Uh, there being no pictures of you. There are very few pictures of me because I'm usually the guy who takes the pictures of everyone else. Yep, that's exactly the same. Now, while I was an awkward teenager who's typically teenagerish, I thought this was a bonus. <laughs> May have been one of the things that made me interested in photography. <laughs> I can't beat it. I'm taking yeah, the picture. Yeah. <laughs> but imagine if everybody felt that way. And, 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 and they are. Pictures of lenses pointed at each other. Oh, wait. So I'm at the, I'm at the parade yesterday. This is, I had to say this for a second. And I'm, I'm on the inside of the parade. So I'm walking with one of the, the bands that's playing in the parade. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm on the inside looking out. Right. And... By George, if not everybody on the sidelines, all I saw was a sea of LCD screens, or at least the backsides of them. iPhones. Everybody had their cameras up or their phones up taking pictures. And so I, I'll see if I can find them. I'm just downloading the pictures now. If I got shots of them taking pictures of me, like the, the sea of phones. Anyway, that's until everybody becomes a photographer. Yeah, it's <laughs> it is an interesting thing in the modern world, isn't it? Every, every as soon as something happens, all the phones come out. Yeah, I'm not sure but, if anyone's ever present at, at all. We're just looking at the world through our screen. Hmm. Um, so, something else that occurred to me. So you are, you know, you are the person you're going around taking pictures at the family event. Don't mm -hmm. forget someone. Right mm. when the, when everyone comes to huddle around and look at the pictures afterwards, if there's not a single picture of Uncle Joe, Uncle Joe is going to be disappointed. Or other people will be disappointed Uncle Joe's not in the picture. Uncle Joe might not really care because that's, that's why he's true, not in yeah. the shot. He's, he's off sitting there, you know, having a buzz. <laughs> but, yeah, no, okay. You know, that's a, actually, that's an even more important point. But somebody yeah. else wants a picture of Uncle Joe with everybody. So that's the other thing you have to look at. Yeah, so basically, I sort of do a little mental checklist. At, you know, it doesn't sound very exciting or interesting, but I, I do tend to do a little mental checklist to make sure that I have at least a nice picture of everyone and then also you know so and so you know people together and stuff but i i i really hate setting it up so mm. i i prefer to sort of wander around and just make sure to get one good natural picture of everyone and if people happen to pose into groups well great i'll take a picture of the group but i tend not to say oh will you stand with so and so and you stand with so and so because ugh. <laughs> if you're going to do the group shots it tends to be easier to do it at the beginning of the event rather than at the end the less alcohol on board. Well, that's true. And then people are just getting tired and they don't want to behave. I mean, maybe not alcohol induced. It's just. No, it's true. Fatigue. People get cranky and, and the kids are, you know, whatever. You want to do all that big stuff at the beginning. And you might only get the chance to do it once, you know, so do it. But, but you don't get yourself in the shots. That's what self-timer is for. That's why you get remote controls on the cameras. You can. That means you have to bring a tripod, of course, or. Yeah, there's always a table or something you can rest the camera. You know, some of the new <laughs> the uh, I took some group shots with my Fuji, which has got um, the Wi-Fi. 
mm-hmm. in an app on the iPhone. So I can actually stand there in the group. With your hands behind your back or something. Yeah, well, and uh, like compose it and like look down and say, okay, everybody, quick, and then tap, you know, quickly tap it and, and take the shutter. So I think they're going to see a lot more of that. The, the, uh, the mirrorless cameras, a lot more of them have the Wi-Fi built in. As opposed to the old trick of give it a five-second timer, take the button, run in, elbow everyone out of the way. Right. <laughs> that's, that's good for laughs. Yes, it doesn't result in very good photographs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or 10 seconds. Yeah, but then everybody's like, okay, it's going to take, you know, especially when you do those group pictures and if you're using a flash that has the uh, red eye in it, Yes. The red eye adjustments, and you have to, each flash is different. So it will flash two times and then once, and then it will go off, and you have to tell it, okay, wait, now it's going to, flash is going to go off three times. Because when the flash goes off, they think, okay, the picture's taken. And by the third time, when the picture, when the real flash is going off, everybody's like moving out of the picture. They yeah, everyone's looking left or right. Or... Right, right. So if you use those, you have to be careful with that. Yes. Yes. But yeah, get that done, get that done early, I think, is, uh, is a good thing in an event. Um, yeah. if, if you have to take that kind of big group picture yeah if you can avoid it that's better yeah I, I generally I yeah, I don't un, unless a matriarch or patriarch of the family says oi everyone stand I, I don't do that yeah and another tip for that is be careful of using very wide angle lenses because um, mm-hmm. you'll need one obviously for a group picture like that but those people on the edges are not going to be very happy with the picture if you put them too close to the edges Oh, so, the distortion won't make them look better? Distortion. They're generally kind of, you know, Uncle Sam is on the left, and he's already gained a few pounds, and that lens <laughs> add another. You know, so we want to be nice to everybody. We want to be flattering to people. So if you're going to use a wide lens, you really want to give it a lot of extra room on the edges so that the people are not right up against those edges because yeah, the lens so- is going to distort them even more. And most lenses, unless you spend a lot of money on a rectilinear lens, which oh. is going to give you very less distortion it's a generally less distortion lens, but it still kind of squishes on the it, it stretches on the edges. Um, you want to like leave some space on the left and right for those group shots, um, just to be nice to everybody. That's all. And would it, would you have less distortion if you stepped back and didn't didn't use quite as wide a lens? But I guess yeah, indoors especially that. that's yeah problematic. You can do that. Yeah, sure. I mean, but it depends on how much space you've got. Right. So. Is the advice, if you can step back, do step back. If you can't step back, leave extra space around the edges? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's, I, I'll remember that. That's... Yeah. And most people have like, you know, multiple megapixel lenses, you know, I mean, uh, cameras, 16 megapixels, 24 megapixels, whatever. When you're in that high, you can, you can leave a lot of space and still have a lot of room to crop back into the picture and the picture will still look nice. So. Yes. Okay. That's make... part of the advantage of having those big megapixel cameras, which I'm, that's another that's another story. So you're using the, the, the sweet spot on the lens, the, the, yeah. the best bits, and leave the yeah. rest out. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I photographed a wedding once, and uh, it was a family wedding, and I used the wide lens, and people were dancing around in a circle, and I got into the middle, and the wide lens was nice, but those people on the edges, it just, you know, I thought they were fun pictures. They were very, uh, you know, documentary style and stuff like that, but, you know, some people were, are not looking for that style of photography when they want pictures of an event. Yeah. So you might like it, but but the people who are like, oh, I just want to hang up a picture on the wall. Like, I don't want this shot of Uncle Sam on the side, and he looks like he's 600 pounds because he's only 400 pounds, but the lens added another two. So, you know, that's part of it. We're, we're Often we're taking, we're taking these pictures for ourselves, but we're often taking them also f- to share with other people. 
So it's kind of you got to keep that in mind. In, in my experience, whenever I'm taking pictures of family, it's as a service to others in the family who want the pictures. I, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, you know, I, I'm not particularly comfortable taking pictures of people. It's not my thing, and maybe you know, it's something I know I need to get better at. And so I'll only do it if someone says, "Oi, you! You know what a camera? You know which end of a camera to point? <laughs> Go, point." <laughs> Uh, but also, there's there's very 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 few of my people shots ever end up on Flickr for that reason because when they say "oh you point," they don't mean and share with the internet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. generally not what they mean. So, um, okay. Oh, well, I was going. I don't know if this quite fits in. I, I was going to say that as an exercise, I think everybody should take their camera and turn them turn the cameras onto themselves and take self portraits. I'm like. Selfie style <laughs> arm in picture jobby or no, take a picture of yourself in like as if you were setting up a picture of somebody else but but make it you an environmental portrait uh, I mean obviously you can't do a you can't do a action picture you know of you running and hitting the soccer ball, but I'm saying you know set up the camera and we all have self timers and and create a self portrait of yourself and see see what that experience is like um you'll You'll first of all understand what it's like to be on the other side of the camera when someone's pointing at you. Yeah, and, and I mean, obviously, a little trickier to set up a self-portrait because the framing and and whatnot. But you can do it. Um, but it's really interesting to try to s- capture your own personality on film or sensor. Digital. Trying to figure. It. Okay, don't put self-portrait into Flickr search. That. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Reminder to turn on safe search on Flickr. Oh, I see. Yeah, that would appear to be the most common use of self portrait here. Would appear to be pictures of oneself without any clothes on. <laughs> I was trying to find. I know I have a self portrait I once took on Flickr, and it's, I'm trying to figure out how many years ago since I did that exercise. You look at look at the old master photographers who've done that. That's that's really where you need to go. I mean, Flickr. You're right. Flickr. There's no. Uh, yeah, you have to turn on safe search for, for sure. That was such a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, gl- I'm glad you're doing that for the audience now, everybody. That's true. Where right. Ha- Flickr has gone and changed everything again. Oh, well, mostly, yeah. mostly for the better, actually. Ah, there we go. Okay, now what date is the last time I followed your advice? But Holy but look at some- mother of divine... Is it how? Okay, it's a long time ago. I need to do it again. Actually, yeah, there's no gray in my beard yet. Uh-huh. 2002. It's 2012. Yeah. That's the last time. That, I don't that, think that I've surprises done me. That really surprises me. I don't think I've actually... I've only done a self-portrait when I was trying to do my own headshot for some, I don't know, LinkedIn or something like that. And I, I wouldn't really count that. Oh. I wouldn't really count that. I mean, the idea is like to try to capture part of your personality. And I mean, you know, for some people that could be being nude, you know. In a tasteful, artful, non-triple X rated format, if I can say that. Yes. You know, it's yes. not, it's, this is not, self-portraits are not selfies. Right. right. Okay. I and that's, that's kind of what, what I think people might sometimes not understand. A selfie is, I, I, it's a new thing and I don't want to get into defining it because I think it's still trying to be defined. But I find that a self-portrait is something else entirely. It's it's what you would do to somebody else. It's how you would capture them and try to capture their personality. And so it's, it could be it's an not spontaneous. It's thought out. It's planned. It's thought out. It's, yeah. 
Okay. It is. And someday offline, I'll tell you a story about a self-portrait I took in, in college, but I don't want to say it. It's not dirty. It's just a long story, but it's funny. There um, you go. Okay. Yeah. Um, involved anyway. No, that, that's, a, that's actually a good tip. And also, you're probably... The, you're, you're not going to get cranky at yourself if you take too long to get it to get something you like, or you shouldn't anyway. Whereas if you're experimenting on other people, they might get cranky. True, true. To bring us back to family before we move off that, um, Gaz was had hope. Well, he, he sent me an email saying, "I'm really sorry, can't be on the show this month." Um, he was away doing fun stuff. Good for him. Uh, but he did send in just a little suggestion so that if you're taking pictures of children, uh, which a lot of your family, a lot of families contain children, that's sort of how they keep existing. Uh, he says, make sure when you're taking pictures of children to get down on their level so that you're, you're literally your eye to eye with the kids instead of not, instead of looking down on them, which is mm-hmm. unfortunately what you see a lot of. Mm-hmm. He also yeah. says the children make great subjects, which is probably because they're great crack and uh, probably don't get as quickly bored as adults. No, and they really do their own thing. It. I mean, you don't, it's, it's so hard to get the kids to, you know, sit there, don't move, I'm going to take your picture. You know, it's not going to work. You know, no, what, doing what well, I have, I, have a, I have a niece who, as soon as a camera comes out, she becomes like a catwalk model. <laughs> Immediately the pose comes on. It's, it's, it's quite funny. She? Oh, she's uh, somewhere between five and ten. Uh, <laughs> okay, it's, it's some range. Yeah, I've noticed that sometimes the really um, younger kids know when the camera's coming out and 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 somehow know to to pose for it or, or do I stuff. don't think which is a lot of fun. Yeah, it's I don't fun. think anyone ever teaches kids to do it. It's just the thing they do. I don't know. Um, and some of them, like my brother, when he was younger, he would just pull a face. He's like stick really? out his oh. tongue, you know, stick his fingers in his ears, generally yeah, make a fool of himself. <laughs> it, it got to the point where my mother had to bribe him to have a serious, to a, a non-stupid picture. I believe it was a, a Manchester United football jersey it cost to get a decent picture at his uh, confirmation. One of the one of my experiences when I was working at a stock photo agency is that we had all our the files of were categorized, and so we had infants as one file and. A lot of pictures in it. And inevitably, if I would go through that file and, you know, it was all the photographers taking pictures of their kids and uh, other kids. And, you know, they were infants, like under one-year-old children. Yeah. And the faces that some of these kids would, would make. And when you see them all together, juxtaposed against each other. Um, I could not go a day without, if I was looking at that file, without splitting a gut um, laughing. And it's not... It's because kids can make such great faces. Um, someone did a series of pictures of children uh, eating lemons. Oh, and <laughs> Slight, slightly on the border of torture, but okay. No, but they didn't know what it. You know, they, they they don't really know what it is, and so they're like. And there's videos too. Someplace you could look at kids eating lemons, and and they don't know what it is, and they eat it, and they make the sour face, and they go back to eating it. You know, because they know it's food. But the stills are great because they capture those moments of just that, like, the the taste bud sensory thing is hitting their brain or their whatever, and they make that face. And it is a precious series of pictures. They are, they are so well done, and the kids' faces are just phenomenal. 
And so, you know, going for those moments where, I mean, I wouldn't say, you know, you know your kids, do what you want. I mean, not do it. <laughs> yeah, within, you know, within. See obvious, previous comments about being considerate. Um, exactly, exactly. But, you know, you know, watching your kid eat, you know, a lemon for the first time, uh, you know, there's a moment for a picture, I think. They may or may not thank you afterwards. And, and, and when they grow sure. up and you project it at their wedding or something. <laughs> um, yeah, getting down to their level is always something that that uh, I like to do. I mean, because everybody's there looking down on on the children, and so I think being at their at their height. Sometimes I'm not saying that one's better than the other, but making sure that if you're going to photograph the kids, that do both. Make sure you get down to their level, and also don't forget that they have hands and feet. <laughs> and they do things with those that are really interesting. And ah, so, okay. Well, uh, you've now given me a reason. I'm going to pop into the show notes. Pretty much the only picture of a person I've ever taken that I thoroughly, totally, and utterly love. Uh, I'll pop it in the Skype chat for you. Oh yeah. Um, it's it, it sort of also ties in. So it, again, kid down on level with hands. Hands are very important. Yeah, and ah. uh, like you know, feet. And and other people touching hands, like grandma holding yes. the baby's hand, you know, all those moments are, you know, it doesn't always have to be about someone's face. Um, again, yesterday I was I was at at this parade, and this guy came by, and he had tattoos all over his body. I mean, and he was an eighty-two-year-old man, and he was like, "I'm eighty-two, and I've done all this," and he had tattoos on his fingers and he had all these rings on his fingers and he just held those up to me and I took the shot and to me that was as much of a portrait of that guy yeah than seeing his face although I did photograph his face later and then he put his hands up against his face in front of his face so I took a shot of the hands in the face but the hands themselves can be such a well, the, such the a tattoos are, are very personal it's, it's almost tying back yeah. to your bookshelf that's yeah those are yeah. And, and and sometimes you know you have to be careful about photographing other people's tattoos because uh, sometimes tattoos are copyrighted, and that's a whole other huh? discussion. Yes, there. It, it, I mean, if you're doing it for personal and you're taking a picture for someone's fine, but if you intend to sell that picture, you have to be careful because sometimes the artwork on someone's body has been copyrighted by the person who drew it, and so there actually might be restrictions on it. As crazy oh. as that sounds, it's. Oh, I would never even have thought of that. It's something to be aware of. Don't flip out about it. I mean, you know, don't go around everybody with a tattoo and say, oh. Do you have the copyright of that? <laughs> yeah, but just, but, you know, if you intend to take a picture of someone with tattoos and you intend to sell it as a stock picture, oh. you might not be able to do that because those pictures might be um, a copyrighted illustration, especially if it's a very famous tattoo artist. So, anyway, I put that That's out there in the world. It's, I've, I've said it now. Now everybody knows. And ignorance of the law is no. Excuse. No excuse. No. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. But your kids don't have tattoos. I'm, I'm, I, I would I hope not. <laughs> or if they're they're probably removable. <laughs> well, yes, they had a, yeah. One would hope. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other another thing that just jumps to mind when, when I'm taking pictures at family events, I will go to any length I can, within reason, not to use a flash ever. Which basically means I wander around with my f one point four thirty millimeter lens, Why and that way I flash off the ceiling. Yeah, it, 
it yeah. still annoys people. It it, yeah. it it tells everyone in the entire room there's an idiot with a camera somewhere here. He's close by. I just saw it happen. And everyone then gets their serious face on, and or they're you know they're posing or whatever. So I I much prefer to to wander around flashless. Also, I'm just terrible with a flash. Hmm. Again, I would probably say it depends on the context of the event. Um, I could see where there would be a flash would be a problem. Or someone would say there is an idiot with a camera, but I could see that there are times when it would be appropriate and no one would really notice. I guess that. if you're doing a group shot, everyone knows what's going on. So that yeah, that doesn't... Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, you're right. That's very different. I mean, and I wouldn't put it on the camera. I mean, those little pop-up flashes on the cameras are just there for, in my opinion for emergencies or for fill-in flash when you're outside I mean, they, mm. they can do that nicely uh if if done well um but as a main source of light you know for an event i would not ever use those but if i was going to use a flash i might bounce it off the ceiling eh, it's not the greatest thing to do because the ceiling may be really high or may not be white and you mm. know, when you bounce off the ceiling you get the little Shadows under people's eyes, especially if Uncle Frank has got a big forehead. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, a, so big, a big Charles Darwin forehead is not a good thing if you're bad. Yeah, it's people. not. But if I was, if I had a flash and I was going to use it, and I had no other choice, I might do that. But sometimes I use, you know, diffusion on the flash, or you know, if I don't have a diffusion, I cover it with toilet paper or something to, to or tissue. You know, you can bunch a tissue like a a Kleenex tissue yeah, or yeah. under flash with a rubber band, and you can make a little ball of light with it and uh, it's a little bit more pleasing but you know at a birthday party or a, you know a graduation or something like that you can certainly use flash and not be you know not be considered uh, a nuisance at the right at the at the party you know if you were going to do a wedding or something i mean this gets into more of event photography but you could set up flashes in the room you know if you're one of those people who've got a lot of money and have a lot of flashes you can set preset those up and then have them remote triggered from your camera so you don't actually have one on your camera that every time you take a shot the flashes in the room will fill up the room with light but that's going you know I was also saying, you're also going to freak out your relatives who think there's some sort of black magic going on in the <laughs> Uh, you know, these days the cameras with the the ISO ratings can get so high that you don't necessarily need to have a flash. It just it adds a different quality of light. Yeah. Um, and uh, you don't have to worry about white balance so much. But uh, if you're shooting with a very fast lens and you've got one of the newer cameras that shoots really well at ISO 6400 plus, yeah, skip the flash, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, if you don't... If if you have a the, a very bright lens, you don't even have to go to ridiculous ISOs because the the picture I popped in the show notes is taken at ISO eight hundred. Uh, no that, flash. That picture is being lit by the by the sparkler, though. That is being lit only by the sparkler. The lights are right. off in the room. So sparkler is essentially is almost sunlight, though. I mean, that's a very very bright light. I I'm not saying it's a you, flash. <laughs> it's a handheld yeah, I'm flash. Not saying that, I'm not saying your sensor is not good, but that's an intense. You know, that's almost like a welding kind of light. Maybe not as bright. But. I was going to say, what kind of sparklers do you guys have? <laughs> <laughs> we, I don't think we're allowed to have well, I'm not even sure, actually. Again, this is an older picture, uh, which is why I don't mind sharing it, because the, the, the light this is young good. chap is, is well into his teenage years now and probably looks like an emo or something. Oh, yeah. So 2007. That's almost 10 years ago. So um, Anyway, yes. So... 
Yeah, I, I just I still avoid flashes. <laughs> <laughs> also, I I. I, I I know, actually, no, there's two reasons I adore my 30mm lens, uh, the f1.4 lens. So, A, it means I can avoid flashes 99% of the time. But, B, it means that the rather boring room the family event is in is blurred out 99% of the time as well. Mm-hmm. Because it means you can have a shallow depth of field, but don't be too silly with it because you don't want the nose out of focus. I agree. And, and to sort of add to that idea of shallow depth of field, I find that that tends to make... I'm going to say better portraits, but I think when people look, when people look at my pictures of people and they say, why can't my photographer, why do my my photographs don't look like this? Eight Mm. times out of 10, it's because the pictures they are taking have too much depth of field. It's a a point and shoot or a camera phone and the depth of field is effectively infinity. Yeah, exactly. And so there are subjects, when you have a subject with a shallow background like you do with with this young gentleman and his his, uh, sparkler, background recedes away he pops out of the background it's also the difference between a snapshot that you take with, with your phone or a point and shoot and what you would see in um, in a magazine or something exactly it's yeah only the subject is is sharp and the rest it doesn't have to be completely blurred but it's it's not sharp right well the amount of blur will also determine like you know if you blur out the background entirely then you really don't get an idea of where the person is necessarily because the background is so blurry you can't see it so you need to balance that out with yes. how much do you want to include in the background is it important that you want to see where the person is if it's not important maybe you want to use as, as shallow depth of field as possible so that the background is just not distracting at all because you just need this picture of this person and then the background would actually be a would take away from that so you know, depth of field is incredibly important in this. And, and maybe the idea of having even a slightly tele, telephoto lens, too, because that Compress. helps, compresses and accentuates the, the um, depth of field, the, the shallow depth of field. Yeah. You shoot with a wide lens, you're going to have pretty much a lot of the picture in focus. You can't get a very shallow depth of field with a very wide lens. You so, can if you stick it an inch away from their nose, but you're not going to You stick it away from an inch from their nose, and they're going to, when they see the picture, they're going to smack you because then they're going to have big ears and a big. <laughs> but, you know, a yes. wide lens in someone's face is also very, not very flattering. Again, yes. you might be trying to create a comedic look if that's the point. Um, you can do a lot of fun things with a fisheye style lens, as long as everybody's sort of aware of it and you know you're making a fun picture, but. You would never shoot something a serious, I don't want to say a serious portrait, but... I don't know what you mean. You have to be aware of that, that, that you're creating a style with, with the wide lens. and uh, It's like you wouldn't do an HDR on a portrait, usually. Well, depend, I think it depends. It, it depends can, on how extreme yeah. the HDR is, and it depends on the... Again, it depends on the picture. Yeah, there are. I, I can think of examples where it works really well, but in the average case, mm-hmm. right. I don't think it's the look that your relatives are going to be entirely delighted with. Right. I mean, in this case with the little boy and the uh, sparkler, no, HDR is not going to happen here. <laughs> yeah, it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't achieve anything. It wouldn't. Yes, it would just be uh... <laughs> yet another HDR. Just right. Cause. <laughs> and the world has enough of HDR just because I can. Mm-hmm. Don't need mm-hmm. any more of that. Yeah. Um, well, okay. No, you, uh, I, I was I was sort of going to segue, but if you have something else to say on the family stuff, no, then no, skip from the go ahead. 
Okay, you want to ask a question though before? Oh no, ask ask a question though. Oh uh, well, you said you said earlier that you're not very comfortable with shooting people. Is that? Yeah, it's not my thing. I don't know. It's just it doesn't. It's not my thing. When you say that, is it just because going up to people is really tricky, or I just I'm 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 just not. I just it doesn't. It doesn't give me the satisfaction that I get when I photograph other things, so I do it because I have to rather than because I want to. Ah, okay. So it's just because I, mean, eh. I think a lot of people are out there in that are in that department. It's it's. I mean, I in some sense am too when I do my street photography because I don't go up to someone and say, "Hey, I want to take a picture." Um. So I I understand that I resonate with that. It's and although I I love what I'm doing. I love the pictures that I'm taking of people. For some reason, it's given me a new, I don't know, just a you new know, thing it's... on life and photography. But um, I wanted to say, throw in a tip. Okay. Well, like I kept saying about this parade yesterday, um, and there's thousands of photographers there, but such a great way to go and practice about going up to people and asking them to have their photograph taken is to go to an event like that, like Mermaid Parade, or you know, we have the Pride Parade here in in June in New York, and I mean anything when there's a lot of people and there's a lot of cameras. What a great opportunity to go up to people and practice and say, "Hey, I'd like to. Can I take your picture? I'd like to take your picture." Now, granted, that's the kind of place where people are sort of expecting that to happen. Yes, but you don't often get an event where you're around a lot of strange people who you never met before. Um, and that are not family members, where you could just feel f- kind of free to go up to someone and say, hey, you know, you look great. May I take your picture? And then you engage them in conversation afterwards. You show them the picture. It's, it's I think, a great way to practice that. And then you might find, you know, that maybe you wouldn't change necessarily. Not a lot of people want to take pictures of people, but you might find some sort of satisfaction in trying that and then taking those skills and going out into the world of where there isn't a parade, you know, set up for, you might be able to transfer those, that practice to the, the world of the everyday. I did it yesterday. I was going up to people yesterday. I decided that the mermaid parade, it's pretty much a free for all for what people wear or don't wear. Um, there's a lot of semi nude, everybody, (laughs) <laughs> okay, it is June. I guess that's a, that, that works. And it's New York, you know. And this and it's is New York. Yeah, that wouldn't New work so well in Dublin. Your average. No, day. but it's fine. And and there's a lot of photographers there, and they want to photograph everybody. And I decided, like, well, I've, I photographed this parade a lot, and I decided this year I'm not going to photograph not actually full bodies. Everybody, I want to really just go up to people's faces. And so I, the vast majority of my pictures, or at least the ones I went up to people, is that I want to take a picture of your face. And so I would go there and I would say, can I take a picture of your face? And I would, I would go there and then, you know, some of them had masks. Some people were just regular people I went up to and I, and I did it. And that's what I stuck to. And I used it as a practice because I do want to go up to people in the streets and I do want to start taking portraits of people where they know that I'm taking pictures of them. I'm not ready yet, but, you know, in my bag of tricks now, I've got, I got a feel for it, you know? I got a feel for how to engage someone afterwards or beforehand. I said, you know, one guy had a handlebar mustache that he had uh, waxed with with uh, mustache wax, and I had seen him a couple times. And I finally went up to him and said, "You know, you look great, and I want to take a picture of you with your mustache." And he's like, "Okay." I imagine and, since it's something he would have put so much effort into, he was probably delighted. 
Yeah, and he wasn't part of the parade. He was just a. He wasn't like marching in the parade. He was a um, observer of the parade, and he was also photographing. He was, he had a camera around his neck, and I think he was a little surprised by it. Like I wanted to photograph him. He wasn't dressed as a mermaid, but <laughs> then after that, I. <laughs> I engaged him. I said, how do you wax your mustache? And he told me about that. And we just had a, you know, two minute little discussion. And I got, I know I got a good picture, but I was, there was a satisfaction of having talked to him of a, yes. a strange person who, you know, was unique enough that I wanted to photograph him. And he seemed flattered that I wanted to photograph him. Anyway, so, you know, for those of us who are out there who are not keen about shooting people because we're afraid of it or there's just, this something there's a barrier up there there are ways of sort of breaking through that and the satisfaction is really there because we're really just trying to connect with other people so i would you know i would practice anyway sorry Bart. I'll I'll practice you, that use you as an example but uh, go out and i'd like to see i'd love to see your pictures of people and i'm sure you'd like to see my pictures of trains there we go <laughs> that's a <laughs> challenge that a for the <laughs> Actually, I kind of would because you know New York subway's got to be some good photographs. All right, we'll try that. We'll do a pack someday, and just <laughs> we'll we'll swap specialities. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to actually. You can just take a picture of a person in the street. Doesn't have to talk to them, and then I'll take a picture of some trains, and we'll go back and forth and see what see what we've done. I think around about March seventeenth would be a good time for that. <laughs> okay, that, that's uh, Ireland's I, equivalent I, of Mermaid Day. <laughs> All right. All right. I'll let silly makeup on. Anyway, um, the, the, the sort of the, the final step in our zooming in process through taking photographs of people is obviously the traditional portrait, which I believe means head and shoulders. I believe that's what a portrait means, or maybe not. Head and shoulders? Is that is that not like the definition of a portrait? Maybe maybe whoever told me that was talking rubbish. Someone tried. Uh, to convince I me think it's it. rubbish. Okay. I'm sorry. Because I think there's, I think, I mean, there are places in the body that, uh, and this is a family friendly podcast, so I can't say it, but there was, there's, I, in filming, there was like four decent places to crop somebody. Right. Uh, okay. Decent. You know, As I mean, in, that, that works well, that doesn't that look works like well you lopped their head off or something. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, I think any place i mean you can have a full body portrait i think you can have just the face and that be a portrait um i think the you know sort of the classical portrait you're talking about is sort of like chest up you know but that almost begins to sound like a passport photograph in a way that's true you know um i don't i don't think there is one set place for uh cropping for a for what would be considered a portrait. I think you can do a full body portrait very easily. And and it okay. seems say something it says something different though than a facial portrait. Yeah. I think it depends on the subject, it depends on what you're trying to, you know, someone with a lot of someone someone with a really wrinkled face like an old person who's really wrinkled, I you know, I I'd want to go close into that face as much as possible. Because there's something um, of interest there. There's something of interest there. Yeah. Yeah. Um that might be the picture I would take for that, for that person. If I was taking a portrait for them, it might be the the shoulders because that's my that might be what they want to see. Okay. You have to be. I think you have to be aware of that. You know, if you're doing a portrait for somebody and uh, you know it's going to go into a magazine and it's going to be representative of them for their you know book that the, that's coming out next month, and you know that's going to have to set up one kind of style. But if I'm taking a portrait of this person because I think they're great looking. 
and their face right. is a character, I'm going to go in and take it close up. And it might not be the picture I would give to them. It might not be the picture they'd hang on their wall, you know, with all the other portraits of themselves. But People have but, walls of yeah. portraits of themselves? Sometimes people do. There's, you know... <laughs> Looking around my house, I see a distinct lack of any such photographs. Well, not that I, I well, I'm sure some people very do. Few people do, but I mean, you know, you might, yeah, no, I mean, I got pictures on, you know, me and my wife, we have pictures of ourselves on the shelves. Yeah, it's possible people would have a picture of themselves in different places. I, had a, I did That's a job true, for actually. a friend. Yeah, although my, myself and the better half are both camera shy. <laughs> yeah, I did a shot for my friend. She wanted me to shoot her portrait. She saw a picture of my cat that I took in, in a certain, I was testing out some lighting and she loved it. And she goes, I want you to do my portrait like him. <laughs> I was like, really? She's like, yeah, I love it. It was black and white. And it was one light that was like right above the camera. And uh, I did it, and she loved it. And she was, that was the picture she was using to send to everybody of herself. And she might even, I don't know if she printed it for herself and is keeping it, but it's like a nice picture of her. So, yeah, people have portraits of themselves. I, I don't see it as weird or narcissistic. No, it's when just, you put it like that, it's funny. It's easy to say a whole wall of, and that, that definitely did sound a bit weird. Again, I'm thinking of, like, you know, part of me thinks of, like, a, you know, the, the newscaster who's been in all these places and, and they've got pictures of themselves in the office. So when you come right. in, you see all their books and all the, all the places they've been, you know, and someone has taken a picture of them. And, ah, yes. You know, again, it depends on the person. It depends on what they're doing and what they're trying to say. And even that, that's an interesting portrait of a personality in their office with pictures of themselves behind them with all their books or all their stuff. I mean, see, see, the only Im- image I can get is Gildroy Lockhart from the Potter series, but <laughs> maybe that's too many portraits. Too big. Yeah, I can see. Interesting. But, yeah, again, it's, it, you know, some people want it for themselves or they want to make a, they want to hire you to take a picture of them so they can send it to their family and it certainly, I probably wouldn't do the close-up of their wrinkles on their face. Here. Right, so you'd be minimizing, you'd be having a light to flatten them. Yes, yeah. You know, front lighting. Actually, okay, so there's a good question because I, I, I'm I, not big on the whole artificial light thing and I'm not big on the whole portraiture thing. So someone who, when it gets from zero to a decent looking portrait, how do you, how do, you do that? Like, I presume <laughs> you need artificial light of some sort or do you? Um... You don't necessarily need it. Okay, so uh, let's let's I would, whether I it's artificial say, or not. Where should it be coming from? Up, down, left, right, top, bottom. Because <laughs> I'm presuming there's there's pros and cons to wherever you put the light. It it means something, right? It's going to have an effect. So it does. It's going to say a different story. Um, again, most people want to be flattered. Okay, so let's assume we want to make the nicest possible picture. Right. So. We want the nicest picture. We want, you know, not a wide-angle lens, most likely, because we want to compress features. Um, okay, so you're, no- you're not looking for a neutral lens like a 50. You're actually looking to compress. Well, a portrait lens in, in the film days, which I'm right. from, I get to date myself. A, f- a portrait lens used to be considered uh, an 85 – this is an, on 35 millimeter yeah. equivalent. 85 to – I mean, 105, 135 – Okay, so on the outside, so some compression. Extreme. Yeah. yeah, some compression. Eighty-five was generally like eighty-five to one hundred and five. I found was the was the range. So what would ever be the equivalent for the sensors? Um, an eighty-five is a so, good one. So on a 
So on an about APS-C. a 105 up for DSLR people. No yeah. way the other way, isn't it? Well, no, it Sorry, the other way. So take away. Yeah. So actually about a 50 millimeter then. A 50 millimeter on the APS-C. Sen- yeah. I have one on the APS-C sensor size is the equivalent of an 80 millimeter. 85 actually. Yeah, okay, so there's about 50 75. millimeters on, on your typical Nikon or Canon. Yeah, it's a 75, and it's, and it's nice. It becomes a very nice, basic portrait lens. So that's a good one to start with. Okay, so how do you put light on them so you don't get a shadow from their nose? Um, you usually want something that's not directly above them. Okay. Um. And if you do have shadow on the nose, you also want to be able to fill in the other side of the shadow. You want to have some definition of the face. I mean, shadows are not necessarily bad. They help define the shape of the face or whatever you're photographing. So you don't always want to get rid of them. But you, They shouldn't be not, harsh. Well, unless right. you might trying. want to minimize them. Yeah. So two lights can be very good with portraits or a light and a fill card, you know, big piece of white foam core or white you know sheet to fill in where the shadows are but you can keep some of those shadows um you know it's hard to say where the light should be coming from because there's all different directions of the light we come from one of the hardest one though is from behind because then the face is you know then you're silhouetted right but there are some really nice portraits of people who have been taken out in the field with the sun behind them and you and the camera is opened up very wide so that you have exposure on the face and then the hair is sort of you know, lit by the sun and the backlighting, and it's very ethereal. I mean, that can be a very beautiful picture. You know, it's not a silhouette. Yes. Uh, um, today, I was filming two people. I mean, f- you know, with lighting, film and photography can be very similar. And we were photographing, filming two people having an interview, and we had giant windows behind us, so behind the camera. Mm. And they were coming in. It was northern light, so it was, there was no sunlight, so it was reflected off the clouds, and it was acting like a giant softbox. And it evened out the light on them. It made it a little bit flat, mm-hmm. right? So there was very little definition, but it, it ended up being like makeup because we didn't have to you know, put a lot of makeup on the people to hide some of their wrinkles. Because so the light was flattening it anyway. The light was flattening it out. So that creates one look, you know? Side lighting is very dramatic, you know? Top lighting is uh, kind of foreboding, and so it was under, you know, lighting from underneath. So, okay, so if the light is coming from a small source, you get sharper shadows, and a wider source, less shadows. They, is that the basic? They diffuse. Yes. Yeah, and even if you put, if you have a smaller source and you put diffusion material over it, it's still a small source. So, in order to get less shadows, you want a very big source. So, so this is why you have these massive umbrellas and things. Exactly, or a big window, or a big sheet. Um, you know. Some people can if you if you're doing like portraits and you're trying to create a s- studio kind of lighting, you can use a white bed sheet with a couple flashes behind it. Ah. And it creates the same kind of effect. I mean, it's totally hobo, as I like to say. I like that though. That sounds good. Yeah, or or even a piece of foam core, which you get at uh, the stationery store, um, can be a very good lighting panel, and you can bounce a flash into that. So if you bounce light into a big soft you know you have this little if you have a little flash which Mm -hmm. is a small point of light but you bounce it into something big like a foam core or a white wall off to the side yes you create a nice big soft light with it okay and how do you feel about the led packs as opposed to flashes leds are 
a constant light source. So yeah, so they, instead of, of like having a flash, you have like a square panel of lots and lots yeah. of LEDs. Because they're getting really cheap now. You're getting cheap, yeah, and you can you can get them on Amazon. Big again, you want it's the same kind of thing though. You would want a very large panel because okay. even when they're small, they're still small light sources. So you can get really inexpensive small ones, right? But they're not very different than a small flash. The only thing that's different is that they're a constant light source. So um, I also find that some people are bothered by the LED. Some people can oh. see the, the blinking. Some of the some of the LEDs blink when you dial them down or you um, dim them down. Right. And so, and some people are bothered by flashes. So I don't know. But if you use LEDs, you need you, know, you want to create the equivalent of a soft light, especially something that's going to cover you know a person and their upper torso. You're going to need a very large panel. And when they get large, then they start getting expensive. Yes, although I I have I have a couple from I think it was, I, I picked them up from a from a discount place in the UK, but they connect together so you can build a jigsaw of any shape of so basically they come in units of sixty four LED bulbs, mm-hmm. and then they have effectively flash shoes top on three sides, and then a flash oh, they're modular foot. yeah yeah and so you can make them into a square or a rectangle or whatever you like. But they Frankly, eat batteries think, like you wouldn't believe. Right. Frankly, I think sticking a flash with four AA batteries in your pack and bouncing it off a wall on the side, if it's there, is is much more practical. Um, now, that's different I, if you're doing I, I video. The, yeah. But, I, I think the reason I love the LEDs is because what I see is what I get. <laughs> There's no mystery when I hit the button. It's going to look like it does now. Well, that means we have to practice flash. We have to, yeah. we have to teach you how to use flash. Fla- I need to buy one first. Huh? Well, yeah. Um, flash is a, is a mystery I think a lot of people are afraid of because there are a lot of things that can go wrong with flash, but when you master it and you don't really need to spend a lot of time mastering, it's just like practice. They're not that bad to use. So it's, it's not black magic. It's not voodoo. It's not, you know, who's a study, you know, who's a great, um, strobe user is Joe McNally. Go look at his photographs. Okay. He teaches, uh, workshops on how to, light entirely with portable strobe units. Now, he's sometimes doing shoots with like 30 of them. Okay. Yeah, well, that means he's got a lot to carry around with him. But he also shows you how to light with like two or one of them. And uh, another website is Strobist. You ever read, go to Strobist? I have heard of Strobist. Strobist is great because it's all about flash photography. Now, it can be very hard to learn it, but there are a lot of basics that you can learn that are not that insane. And so I get the impression you're saying that when you're getting started, it's you buy two, not one. Sure. Buy two of everything. Buy two of everything. Okay. Buy two pairs of shoes. You, you find one pair of shoes that you love, buy two. <laughs> Sorry. It's a different thing. But yes, buy two. I wouldn't say buy two cameras, although I'd, I'd, I always would recommend that because if you're able to for some reason and you're actually considering doing this for a living, you always want to have a backup camera. That aside, if you're going to buy one flash, yeah, buy two because because most lighting technique involves two, two, yeah. But you can, you know, you can do a lot with one light. You really can. I mean, there are there are a lot of little tricks that you can do. Um, Is it, am I wrong to think that once you get into flash photography, you can end up with a very, very large hole in your checkbook because you're going to want something to bounce it off and something to diffuse it with and something to stand it on and some remote control doodads and 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 and. and. Yeah, you can. I, I still think a lot of that could be done hobo. Okay, so you're ready. A sheet with a flash behind it becomes... Yeah. 
Yeah. One of the things I, a friend of mine taught me to do and it was like, you know, I was like, Sean, how did you, my friend, Sean Justice, who is a great photographer, you know, teaches at Columbia University in, in uh, New York. But he was like, I'm like, Sean, I want to do this, this kind of lighting. What do I do? He's like, go buy a bed sheet. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, go buy a king size bed sheet and string it between two poles and put your, put your strobe units behind it. And I had like four f- strobe units, big ones. Mm-hmm. He's like, really? And he goes, yeah, because what's great about it, because you can stand right in front of it and the light sort of wraps around you to get to the subject. And so you're not blocking the light. And I was like, really? Kings and king size bed sheets are huge. And right. if, if you get a California king size bed sheet, those are even bigger. I mean, this is talking about like having a studio space, but still, it was a sheet. I, I put it between two poles, I clamped it, I put lights behind it, and and I made this great big window of light. That was that was it, and and it was, you know, I could have bought very expensive lighting panels that exist, mm-hmm. um, and I have a couple of them too, but they're not they're not nearly as big as the bed sheet was. And that's I actually a lot like of LEDs light. to make something the size of a bed sheet. It is because again, remember we, the the small strobe can put out a lot of light in a big cone, which is something the LEDs really don't do. Yes. Yeah. Um. So and again, you want to talk about something portable? I mean, I can. I did a. I think I did a family. Oh yeah, I did a family portrait um, using the bed sheet in their backyard, and I was using it to block. I was using it to um, diffuse the sun. Cool. So yeah, yeah. I think I think you can do a lot for cheap. Yes, and you're right. They can, you can start getting expensive, but there's there's a lot of great stuff that you can do, and and not break the bank. And buy you can buy some really inexpensive lighting things. Like there are some inexpensive lighting panels. Like you're talking about the LEDs. I think the ones I have were at seven pounds sterling per sixty-four per unit, basically. And so I have three of them, which oh. is which is interesting. Yeah. yeah, I have one. I think I need to get a couple more. But I've only once done portraits. It was for work, and it was basically you have a camera, you will do this. And I was like, but I don't take pictures of people. You have a camera. You know more about it than I do. It's like okay, fair enough. I know next to nothing. I know nothing. Off you go. <laughs> so, so what I decided to do was uh, the closest to a studio space was like a meeting room. So it's like, okay, kind of make this look interesting. So you know the screen for projecting onto. Mm-hmm. I had the, my third light. I had it on a tripod at the ground, shining onto that screen, so that you had this white behind them that was going to blow out. So you had a high key. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. that'll do. And then one of the light packs in the middle of the camera set to half power. And then the other one on the little extender arm that came with the lights. So you had a stronger light from the side and a weaker light from the front. So you had some shadow. Mm-hmm. And it was tolerable. I, I you know, I, I'm not ashamed of the pictures. Oh, good. But that, that's it. That's my, that's some <laughs> of my uh, portraiture experience. And I know that it eats through batteries like you wouldn't believe because mm. we had a new website. Everyone had to get their picture taken. So I think I spent six hours waiting for people to come in, sit down, take a picture. Actually, it was, actually, it was the first time I ever shot Tether and it worked superbly well because everyone, who, everyone knew they liked their picture before they left. Right. And I didn't so, stop until they liked their picture. That's actually a really helpful point and tip is to show people the picture that you just took of them, which we can do now. Yeah, so I had I had my, my laptop sitting out of shot of the camera, but very close to the person who was posing for the picture. And then as soon as, so I was shooting tethered, and as soon as I shot the picture, like two seconds later, it would pop up full size on the laptop screen. And I just kept going until they went, yes. And then I would mm-hmm. just quickly hit the, the key to flag it so that I would have a flagged picture for every person. And then they would leave and they were happy. 
and the next person would come in, sit down, no, 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 yes, okay, toodle pip, and then the next one. Uh, but of course, different people have meetings at different times, so I was basically told, be there for three hours, two days. <laughs> Spent a lot of time playing letterpress or something. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I ran through a lot of batteries. Sometimes people are not the best people to ask about their own pictures. You need somebody else, like a, not a third party, saying, well, you know, Joe, I think you look better in this picture because of your tie, you know? <laughs> No, no, I like this one. No, Joe, look at this one. And I always find that I, I used I did that. I had a couple of jobs where we were shooting headshots for lawyers, right? With a friend, and we had that kind of we had a third person there to just to to sort of rein them in a little bit because sometimes they say because otherwise you could be there for a long time. No, I want to shoot it again. I want to do. It. I, like, I only got an hour here. Yeah. Uh, Irish people don't like making a fuss, so <laughs> I didn't have that problem. But I can. Lawyer, lawyers like good. making a fuss. Yeah, that I know. That is true. Okay, well, I think it's only the two of us, and we still managed to go on for oh, can oh, I add one twelve minutes? Go us. Can I add one more? I think this you is can. Important. Yeah. Yes, um, and we could probably do a whole episode about this, but the post processing and people pictures right. is just to be kind to them, um, and also not be too. You know, we're able to do Photoshop, and and Lightroom has retouching tools, and I. I think you need to just be aware of how much retouching you plan to do. People can be retouched to the point where they don't look like themselves. Or humans. Yeah. So wrinkles are removed. Moles are removed. You know, we have these tools. You know, just be aware of that. Yeah. Um, Human faces have at least some texture left. Right. And the idea is to let someone still have their character, you know, um, and, you know, I found like if someone had a blemish on their face that, you know, they ate chocolate the night before and they have a blemish, you know, hey, that's usually not what their face looks like. I'm very happy to do yeah, that yeah. kind of retouching for them. I mean, that's great. But when someone says, look, can you make me thinner? And like, no. Oh. You know, oh, sorry, you just reminded me of something. That, <laughs> you know, there's, it, it's technically not even photography related, but it just made me laugh so much. There, there's a website called Overheard in Dublin. Mm-hmm. And it's just witticism. Like the, the Dublin wit is is renowned within Ireland for being particularly good. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a, a, a person with his wife in a in a famous Dublin clothes shop, and um, she said, "Does this does the do these trousers make my uh, backside look big?" And the answer was, "No, love, that's the chocolate." <laughs> <laughs> Again, so flatter them in the way they want to be flattered. Yeah. Oh gosh! Um, right. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, it's not even related, but it's just too it's funny. It's perfectly related. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Um, yeah. So be, you know, be careful with those tools. We're not here to change what people are. You know, with the picture, with the retouching. Um, be kind to people because you know they've given you the, sort of their trust into mm-hmm. creating a picture of them, and. You know, you want to be that person they can trust. You know, it, it takes a lot to be sitting on the other side of a camera. And, yes. You know, you're putting yourself out there, and especially if that picture is going to be shared and it's going to go on Facebook or, you know, a bazillion people are going to see it. So we want to be kind to those people. Um, I, who are, I'm going to channel Alison Sheridan for a second. Okay. Um, <laughs> she, you know, she, she, she has argued to me many times that it's worth taking the time to get good at post-processing people. And by good, I don't, I don't mean you know, liquefy brush till cows come home. I mean, actually do it, like you're saying, in a tasteful way. Mm-hmm. 
And she said, the gratitude you get from your family members when you send them a picture where you've put in the effort to make them look good makes that time, you know, it's it's worth twice that much time for the amount of gratitude you get for it. People mm-hmm. really like a picture that's obviously them, but they look good. They like it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's worth yeah, spending I, the time. I agree. And again, there's that fine line, though, of like, you know, where are you gonna where are you gonna draw that line? You know, getting rid of a shiny forehead. Hey, that's great. You know, we didn't have makeup there. We can get rid of the shiny forehead. We can get rid of the blemish. But uh, we want to take the 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 fifty pounds off of somebody. You know, you you think about that while you're photographing. You know, how to flatter someone while you're taking a picture. Don't. In fact, you know, the idea is do all you can in the camera and try not right. to go to post processing because inevitably someone's gonna say, you know what? I can see that you photoshopped the hell out of that picture. Yeah, I guess the sign you that you've down, done it well is that people just think, oh, yeah, that's me and I look good. Yeah, well, once you go down that road, though, like, there's no coming back from it. Then you're always Photoshopping that person <laughs> or, or you're going photo- to be doing it constantly. So I'm not saying not to Photoshop or not to retouch, but, you know. Be judicious? Yes, and, and you know, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> Thank you, Spider-Man. But, you know, it, it's there. Photoshop is great power. And you want to just use it responsibly. And I, I've done enough retouching and I've seen enough of that. And I'm sure now there's all these laws, you know, we're seeing pop up all over the place about, you know, beauty retouching and, and how it's not being accepted as much anymore. So it's a big know. issue. I mean, it's obviously not the kind of thing you're likely to come across in your own family photography, but it, it's a big issue for people's body image that a lot of the people we see in magazines and stuff are just not human right well now there's a big backlash to that and you know we have the the people with their bodies the way they are being used in advertising and there's no retouching and they're proud of who they are and you know that's the that's the mosaic of life as as tom would say you know we are who these yeah yeah we are who we are, and covering it up with digital makeup is is not helping the world. Right. So, you know, we have this tool, Photoshop. We get we do what we can to m- make do with what we couldn't do while we were shooting, hmm. and and that's it. You know, yeah. That's that's my that's my soapbox thing, but uh, I'll leave no, it. No, it's I'll, very important. I, yeah, I have very little experience, but I totally agree. I'm staring at the, this picture of you on Skype. This picture of me on Skype. Actually, that is the last time That's I the, managed to take a self-portrait. You took that? Yes. It was a very nice photograph of you. I actually did put a lot of effort into it. I just yeah. can't believe it was three years ago. <laughs> 2012. I need to do another yeah. one. There's an awful lot more pepper, no, salt in my beard. <laughs> it's a, I like the shot. And you, I'm assuming you have a ponytail. Yes. Yes. Yes, that, that is where all the hair went, yes. Yes, now I can just, yeah. But I, you know, I'm looking at this picture of you, like you're staring at me on the screen. Um, and it's a very well done picture. I think it, uh, the lighting is nice. You, you've got light in your eyes. You've got to catch light in your eyes, which I think is important. That, that, that is my, my, my uh, little LED packs. Yeah, yeah. So I think you succeeded there with that. Thank you. And, and the, <laughs> that white line, the white light behind me is my bedroom wall. <laughs> well, Out of focus. Works. It's nice because you have a nice uh, – the depth of field in this is nice. Your shoulders are a little bit out, but they're still there. But you're, you're sort of – your face is sort of popping off the screen a little bit. So Thanks. I, I just realized it was a portrait. That, that is the, my 30-millimeter lens I adore so much. 
but that's what it does. Wonderful. Yeah. Cool. Well, I have to. I must do it again. I, I must put as much effort into it again. Excellent. Okay. Um, thank you very much for taking the time to chat to me. Um, let us wrap up. Um, given that we've just had two big long episodes on photographing people, I think it's possible that our listeners will have some questions or, or something they may want to uh, elaborate on this topic. So if anyone wants to send in any questions or comments, if you go to the website, letstashtalk.ie, you can click on a button to send feedback, or you can just jump straight to the send feedback page by going to letstashtalk.ie forward slash photo queue for photo question, and just type in your question there. And hopefully when we get enough people together, we will do a questions and answers episode. And it, it might be nice if we could do a questions and answers episode on photographing people. So if you have any questions, send them in. Now, while you happen to be there, browsing around, submitting your questions, you might notice there's two large blue buttons in the left sidebar under the heading support the show. Please do consider supporting the show. Um, the intention here is to break even on this whole podcasting malarkey, as opposed to to make a living on it. I make my living being a nerd, not being a podcaster. Uh, but I would like to get to a stage where being a podcaster isn't a drain on the old finances. So you can either... Patreon is simply superb. The idea is you pledge a small amount of money for every episode I get out. Uh, if I don't get any episodes out, no money comes in, which is only fair. Um, and the great thing about Patreon is that it, it because it's monthly, it means that I can actually have money coming in to balance against the money going out for the various bills. So that that is always nice. Or the other button is just a plain old PayPal button. Um, and also, if you're not in a position to do either of those, simply going to iTunes and giving a review, preferably with a few, you know, four or five stars would be nice, please. Um, that is also actually extremely helpful. So there are lots of ways to help, or even just tweeting that you like the show. That That's helpful. So uh, anyway, support the show, please, in any way that you feel you would like to. Antonio, do you want to give out some links of where you can be found? Sure. You can find me on Twitter at amrosario. And I'm posting a lot of my pictures on Instagram with the same name, amrosario. And spending a lot of time over at Switch to Manual. Tom Martinez and I have our podcast at Switch to Manual called Street Shots. And so we'd like people to tune in to that. Uh, talking photography, a bit different than here. But certainly inspired by you, Bart. Thank you very much for that. I'm delighted to have been of help. Um, yeah. But uh, no, I, I really like the yourself and Tom have a good rapport with each other. It's a it's a very it's a very entertaining show to listen to. I, mm-hmm. I, I always listen to it, and I'm usually cycling along somewhere. But <laughs> hopefully, you won't cycle off the road. <laughs> I haven't yet. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're having a good. We're actually having a great time doing that, and we're starting to line up some photographers to interview as well so we're including that as part of our repertoire um but yeah. i'm getting into this whole podcasting thing i'm really enjoying it so yeah switch to manual.com and street shots podcast on uh, there in uh, itunes and your favorite other podcast you do dads i'm sure it's everywhere yeah, yeah i don't use the whole itunes thing but i still listen so it's got to be out there somewhere yeah Okay, I've been your host, Bart Bouchots. You can find me at bartb.ie. And until next time, happy snapping.
You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hi, I'm Tim Robertson from the Tech Fan Podcast. And I'm David Cohen from the Tech Fan Podcast. And we wanted to take a moment to tell you about the Stoplight Network. Stoplight is a community of podcasters. We're a group of people who are passionate about podcasting, and we're looking for people who have either existing or new podcasts who might be interested in joining us. So check it out at www.stoplightnetwork.com. And while you're at it, check out our show, The Tech Fan Podcast, part of the Stoplight Network of Podcasts. <laughs> 